Turning your Bibles to Exodus chapter 11. Exodus 11. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Exodus. Listen, we're getting to the part that is going to be amazing. We've already seen all these plagues and everything, and we're coming toward what we might say the, the main one. And then in this powerful book, we're seeing God's redemption of his people Israel from bondage in Egypt. Now, this evening, what I, I call it this, we see the beginning of the birth of the nation. Because you think about it, they went into Egypt with about 70 people, but they're going to come out of Egypt with probably at least 2 million people. And with this 10th and final plague, God brings his people out of Egypt, judging the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Now, the final plague, which is the death of the firstborn, judges the Egyptians, provides a way of escape. And what we have is we have both judgment and redemption found in the Passover lamb and the death of the firstborn. Think about it. Judgment and redemption. And we're going to see how it ties together. And, and think about this. God has provided deliverance for us through our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. So there's some great things. Let's start with prayer, and then we'll get right into the passages. Of course, Exodus chapter 11. Let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you, Lord. For your grace to us in Christ, thank you for your love to us. Thank you how Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And you give eternal life to us, to all who believe. We thank you for the Bible, the book of Exodus. We thank you for the picture of the Passover lamb, which is a foreshadow of our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you, Lord, that you provided for deliverance for the nation of Israel out of Egypt. You have delight, del- uh, provided for us deliverance from the penalty and the power and even the presence of sin through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, we ask you that as we study Exodus, you teach us. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think one of the greatest events in our lives really is the birth of a child. I've had the privilege of seeing both my girls come into this world. And it was the, you know, it was the wildest thing for me, especially Catherine. That was the first one. And I, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. It's incredible to see the delivery of, of a baby and, and coming in the world and the struggle and the pain and all of that things coming in there. This evening, as we look at chapter 11 of Exodus, we see the struggle between Pharaoh and Israel and God. And you might say the beginning of the birth of the nation. God brings his tenth and final plague, the death of the firstborn, and in this final judgment, he brings his people out of bondage. It's so powerful. The Passover lamb brings both judgment and redemption. If you think about that, the Passover lamb brings both. And as we begin chapter 11, uh, we're going to see information concerning the tenth plague. Now, we're not to it yet. This is the information about it. And you remember what we've seen up to this time is the cycles of three. You remember this? We saw that in the plagues, they would go three, three, three. One would be, they would go to the Pharaoh. Then they would go to Pharaoh. So one would be rise up in the morning, go to Pharaoh, then go to Pharaoh, and then no warning. And we saw that over and over, three times, I mean, one time, two times, three times, those same things. As we move to the final plague, God does not give Pharaoh any kind of opportunity on this last one to, to let him go. He doesn't say, okay, this is it. I'm giving you one more shot. And so if you, if you want to, you can let him go one, one final time. But he doesn't. He gives no opportunity for the rejection of Pharaoh because Pharaoh's already rejected him over and over and over and over. He tells Pharaoh what he's going to do and what will happen. And then Pharaoh will let them go. Now remember that the, why God brings the plagues 
if you remember that one is the judgment on the false gods of Egypt. All of the plagues and the handouts, I didn't bring one up here. The handouts are back there. On those handouts, you see the ten plagues. You see how they're all judgments on the gods of Egypt. Second, that one of the purposes not only was judgment on the false gods, but it was that they would know the true God of Israel. Because over and over, God would say, I am the Lord, the true God, you know, the God of Israel. I am the Lord. And it was to the Egyptians and people to understand that. And then third, it was so that the Jewish people would be able to tell their children what God has done. And even to this day, if you're Jewish, there is Passover, and it all goes back to this event. So there's some great things. Now, it did work. Each of the plagues showed the folly of the false gods. Pharaoh came to know the power and the glory of the true God, and they would be able and have been able to pass on to their own children and their grandchildren the mighty acts of God. And as we think about Passover, we think about the deliverance of Israel, we need to see the parallel and the foreshadow of God's deliverance for us through the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. We're in the bondage of sin. The wages of sin is death. We're supposed to be separated from God. We're in bondage. We can't get out. But here God sends the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, and delivers us from the bondage of sin and gives us eternal life. Israel is born as a nation. In this pat, not, not this passage right here, but it's the foreshadow of it. But in the, the Passover, in the Exodus, they come out of bondage in Egypt redemption by the Passover lamb. It's an amazing thing when you when you think about it. We did the we did the book of Genesis right before we did this and you remember it took us well, way over a year, but as we were going through it, we were talking about Israel and we'd always say the nation of Israel, nation of Israel. But a nation of Israel wasn't really a nation. It was a family. It was Abraham and then Isaac and Isaac and, and, and Jacob and then Jacob and his 12 sons. And, and you know, you, have, you got up to about 20, 70 people by the time they go down to Egypt. That's not a nation. They're called Israel and, and all of that. But in reality, when they come out from Egypt, they're not coming out as 70 or 90 or 150 people or even 1,000 people. They're coming out as 2 million people. There's 660-something thousand men Fighting men is how they were called. If you have 660,000 men and there's one woman and one child connected with that, you're, you're, you're in, you're in two million. And we're not even talking, what if they have more than one child? You know, so it's just amazing when you start thinking about what happens. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we are born again and we have an exodus. We move from darkness to light, from the bondage of sin, to redemption by the Passover lamb. So in really in the, about the next few weeks, we're going to see the powerful display. Tonight, chapter 11, if you look at it, it's only 10 verses. You probably think, well, we're going to get through early. No, I don't count on that. But anyway, you, you might think that because there's only 10 verses. But there's so much here, and we probably will get through a little early. But I want to show you the, the breakdown of the passage for you. This is the final plague, deliverance, chapter 11. Verse 1, and then the instruction to the Israelites, verses 2 and 3, what he tells them to do. Then we get the details of the plague, and then the summary of all the plagues. All that's in these, these verses. So chapter 11, if you really got to it, maybe one of the focal ones, because he's going to say, here's what I'm about to do, and here's what I've done, just so you put it all together. So I love all this. Let's start. Look at chapter 11, verse 1. I call it the final plague. The deliverance. 11 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses. Now be, do this. You know, one of the things we always talk about when you look at the Bible. Uh, now, there's several things you do. One is, I always pretend I'm there. You know, I'm there. We're there. We're in Egypt. We've been through. We've seen the frogs, the gnats, the bugs. We've seen the darkness. We've seen everything. We see Moses going up there and coming back and all of these things. We've been there. 
The second thing you do besides putting yourself there, especially if it's narrative, the second thing you do is observe it. You, what does it actually say? When we study the Bible at Countryside, we have a thing we call observation, interpretation, and application. And in observation, you ask a bunch of questions like who, what, where, when, why, how, all those fit together. But notice, if you look at it carefully, it says, now the Lord, and you have to stop and say, that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the personal name of God. It's over and over. God is always, the personal God is talking to Moses. Now the Lord said to Moses, now watch this, because this is new information One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Now, there is a whole bunch of information in that verse. Because up to this point in time, we've been talking about the plagues. And since we've studied the Bible before and we read this, and from the time we were little kids, if somebody said, how many plagues were they? You'd say, ten. Ten plagues. Moses didn't know that. God would say, go do this, go do this, bring the gnats, bring the locusts, bring the hail, bring the darkness, all of those things. He doesn't know when it's going to stop. He didn't know when Pharaoh's ever going to get to the breaking point, you might say. But right here, God says, one more plague. This is it. Will I bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt? And then he gives more information. After that, he will let you go. Every other time, God has been saying, he will not let you go. He will harden his heart. Sometimes God says, I will harden his heart. But over and over again, we see that's going to happen. So one more plague. There's one more plague and I will bring, that I will bring on Pharaoh and Egypt. And that's what's going to happen. Moses didn't know how many plagues there were. He didn't know what God was going to do. He had to trust God. We have to do the same thing because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't, you don't have a clue what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going on the next week. You don't know what's going on. We'd have to say, Lord, I just have to trust you day by day. I think the Lord did it that way. You know, so you get one day at a time. Because let's, let's face it, does anybody want to know next week you're going to get the flu? You don't want to know that. You don't want don't give me any information ahead. People say, I'd like to know the future. You don't want to know the future. Just take it about a second at a time. That's probably the best way to go, you know. And so we have to do the same. We have to trust. Moses realized that we're at the end because God said one more plague. After that, he'll let you go. At the beginning, God told Moses that he would not let him go until God had judged them, and then he would let him go. So this is the final judgment. Now, notice what he says. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. When this plague happens, Pharaoh is going to say, everybody out of here. Because if you remember, at one time he said the men could go. And then one time he said, well, everybody can go with the children. And then one time he said, mm, well, you can go, but you've you got to keep your cattle. He said one time, well, you can go, but you've got to stay in the land. I mean, he had all these deals. This time, when, it's, when the plague happens, he's going to say, get out completely. Now, he gives some instructions. To the people, notice verse 2. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man may ask from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. What neighbor is he talking about? The Egyptians. He says, now, Moses, you tell the people that they're to go to their neighbors, the Egyptians, and ask them for gold and silver. Like go up and say, I'd like those gold earrings. I'd like that ring. I would like that thing hanging down your nose. You know that gold nose? You know, I would like that. I want that thing down here. I want anything you have gold. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to go, well, sure. I mean, they're going to give to the Jewish people what they want. 
I mean, they're just going to walk up and say, gee, that's a great watch. Can I have that watch? Sure. Take the watch. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Speak now to the hearing of the people. Of course, not watches. But then speak now, um, sundials. You know, but sundials aren't that accurate. But anyway, speak now in the hearing of the people that each man may ask from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. Watch. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. What'd that mean? That's right. And, well, but what's the context? You ask them for what? Silver and gold. And you're going to be found what? Favor. They're going to give you the silver and gold. You need that? No, I don't need it. Here, take it. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Listen, Moses is, is, is special. Now, they're going to get silver and gold. I want you to remember something. Years before, many years before, at the time of Abraham. Remember, Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Joseph. Go in to Egypt. A new Pharaoh arises. Joseph dies, of course, a new Pharaoh. 400 years pass. So we're talking going all the way back to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph, to 400 years of slavery, all the way back there. This is what God told Abraham. Genesis 15. Here's what God told Abraham. He said this, Now the sun was going down, and a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and terror came upon him. And God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Egypt, right? Know for sure that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. What land is he talking about? Egypt. They will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. At the time of Abraham, they were told that one day they would be slaves for 400 years. Now watch this. I will judge that nation whom they will serve. How did he judge them? The plagues. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. How are the Jewish people going to come out with many possessions? Because over here in Exodus chapter 11, he says, You ask the people for silver and gold, and God gives them favor. Let me see if I put that up. Yeah, judge the Egyptians. Come out with many possessions. The promise was to Abraham, to Isaac to Jacob, to Joseph, to 400 years of slavery, and now it's time. God says, just like I told Abraham a long time ago, go ask the Egyptians, you will take their silver and their gold. The Lord gave them favor. This is amazing that Moses was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt. You'd think he might be hated in the land of Egypt. Because he's brought all the plagues. But you know, the people aren't looking at it that way. They're saying, this man is powerful. Now, here's the question. Why do they need the articles of silver and gold? Maybe they need some money on the trip. Because they're going to come out and they're going to go and they're going to get to the promised land. Maybe he says, get some money. You're going to need some, you're going to need some traveling money while you go on the trip. Could that be it? Do you know how far a trip it is when, when you left, when you leave, when you got out of Egypt 
and you got to the Sinai, to where Mount Sinai was. And do you know how many days' journey it is from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, which is at the very bottom of Israel? Do you know how many days' journey it is? It's 11 days. If the Jewish people would have come out and obeyed and did everything right, they could have left, got the law at Mount Sinai, and in 11 days been to Kadesh Barnea and begin to take the land. We know what happened. They made the 11-day journey, stopped at Kadesh Barnea, and sent the spies in. And the spies came back and said, we can't take the land. And they spied for 40 days. So God said, for every day you were there will be a year. And so 40 years you will wander. So he took them back out, took them through the wilderness. Now, why do they need the gold? Well, why? Here's why. In Exodus 35... A little bit further up, we won't get to that, but in Exodus 35, the people bring the silver and the gold to build the tabernacle. That's where they got the gold and the silver to build the tabernacle. That God, they used what God had given to him. And think about this, everything that God gives to us, we're to use for his glory. Think about everything that you have. We have cars, money, time, possessions, abilities, talents, everything that God's given us, we're to use for his glory. It's powerful. Are we faithful to do it? Think about everything you have. And you can use it for the glory of God. Well, watch what happens. So th- this is the Lord gave them favor and, and, he, and Moses was highly esteemed. Now watch verse 4. Moses said, Thus says the Lord, about midnight... Now let me ask you, let's stop. Who's Moses talking to? Moses said... Now let me say, if you go back... To the very end of chapter 10, look at verse 28. Pharaoh said to him, that's to Moses, Get away from me, beware, do not see my face again, for in the day you see my face, what's going to happen to you, Moses? I'm going to kill you. And what does Moses say? You're right. You will never, I will never see your face again. Guess who Moses is talking to in verse 4? Pharaoh. He doesn't tell it to us right here, but he tells us at the end of the passage. God sent Moses back to Pharaoh. In fact, that's what we got right there. I think God has Moses to go back to Pharaoh. You can almost see God say, go back and tell Pharaoh this final thing. And he said, I already said to him, I was not going to ever see him again. He already said to me, if I come back, he'll kill me. God said, go back. And it's one of the things we, we kind of talked about that time is be careful that what you say you're not going to ever do. I'm not going to ever come back here again. Uh, I'm not going to ever do that again. You'll never get me to do that again. You know, we've been seeing it on Sunday morning in the book of Exodus that I, that Mordecai, that, that Haman probably said, I ain't never bowing down to any Jew. He did. I'm not ever begging a Jew for my life. He did. So there's a lot there. Moses says, he's talking to Pharaoh. You just have to trust me till we get to the end of the passage. Moses said, thus says the Lord, About midnight, I'm going out in the midst of Egypt. Now, this is Moses telling Pharaoh, About midnight, I'm going out in the midst of Egypt. About midnight, and about midnight, of course, is the middle of the night. That's what it literally says. You know, the Jewish, when does the Jewish day begin? Basically, six o'clock in the evening. So the night comes first. So he basically is about middle way through the darkness, through the nighttime, which would be about what? Midnight, and that's what he says. About midnight, I'm going out in the midst of Egypt. God says, I'm going through Egypt. Watch. 
and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is, who is behind the millstone, all and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. He's going to do something. Moses said, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall what? Die. All the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn of the slave girl who's behind the millstone and even the firstborn of what? Cows, animals. I'm going through Egypt and every firstborn will die. Wow, it's unbelievable. Uh, wonder why the firstborn? The, he says from the firstborn of who? From the firstborn of Pharaoh. Firstborn of Pharaoh is going to be the next what? The next God, the next Pharaoh, because Pharaoh was considered a God. I mean, you got if you got if you got a frog as a God, Pharaoh can be a God, right? I'm better than a frog. I'm the best God here. Pharaoh would say, "I'm the best God here." The Nile's a God. The sun's a God. The frogs a God. The gnats a God. Uh, you know, uh, all. Uh, so I'm a God. And he said, "The firstborn will die." I'm going through Egypt. In the midst of Egypt. And it's powerful because look what he says. I think I have it there. Pharaoh's firstborn was to be the next god, the next ruler. There was a goddess called Isis. Y'all heard of her. Was was supposed to protect the children. That was her job. And so he's saying, guess what? I'm going to be the strength. God will kill the firstborn in Egypt. Look at verse 6. Moreover, there will be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there not been before, and there shall never be again. He's going through the land of Egypt. Egypt. And uh, listen, uh, there's going to be something special because God's going to make a distinction. Notice. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you, Pharaoh, may understand how the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, personal God, makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. There's the contrast. The sons of Israel. Listen, a dog's not even going to bark there. Nothing's going to happen there. Nothing's going to happen to the Jews. He says, understand how the Lord makes a distinction. There's going to be a separation between Egypt and Pharaoh and the false gods and Israel and Moses and the true God. Now, how is it possible that the Jewish people will not lose the firstborn? Because he said... All firstborn in the land of Egypt. He didn't say the ones in Egypt, but not the ones in Goshen. He didn't say that. How will he make the distinction? Because God has a provision for the nation. God has a substitute. God has a provision, and it's called the Passover lamb. I want you to turn, because he doesn't tell us right here, but look at chapter 12, look at verse 3. Speak to the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, they are to each one of them take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Look at verse 6. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood, put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house in which they eat it. Now, what I want you to realize is that what's going to happen is the lamb dies in the place of the firstborn. In every home, there will be a death in Egypt that night 
every home, Jewish home or, or Egyptian home. In the Jewish home, who will be the death? The lamb. And in the Egyptian home, probably as a whole, who's going to be the death? Firstborn son. So we're going to see. look at verse 13. He says, put the blood on the door. And he says, the blood shall be assigned. This is still chapter 12. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That's why this is called what? Passover. Because he's going to pass over. And I got right here for you. There is a death in every home. The blood of the lamb is shed to die in the place of the firstborn. And look at this. Either the firstborn son dies or the Passover lamb dies. Guess what? Either you die and you're separated from God forever or Jesus died for you and you take that payment. You put the blood on your door by faith or else you're going to be separated. In every home, God the believers, God killed the lamb, put the blood on the door. God would pass over. God has provided for us. He has sent for us the Passover lamb to take our place. Think about that. God has a provision to save us from the judgment of sin and to bring us from bondage. It is the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, who died in our place. First Peter 1, I think the next slide shows it, I think. First Peter 1, 18 and 19, we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the what? The precious blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ. By faith in him, we have that provision. Jesus Christ died for us and paid for our sins, and we trust in him. He is our substitute. He is our Passover lamb, our substitute. I think it's the greatest picture in the whole scripture. And it all goes back to the book of Exodus when God says, you take that lamb and you put the blood on the door, and I will see that blood and I will pass over you, and there will be a substitute to die in your place, foreshadowed to the future. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ is the Lamb who dies for us, and when we believe in him, God says, I take that substitute for you, and you get eternal life by faith. It's amazing. Wow. Go back to Exodus 11 and look at verse 8. He just got through saying not even a dog will bark against the Egyptians, against the Israelites. Verse 8, all these your servants will come down, down to me and bow themselves before me, saying, go out you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. Who's talking there? Anybody remember? Who's talking? Moses is talking to Pharaoh, and he says, all these your servants will come bow down to me. Moses says, your servants, Pharaoh, will come bow down to me, and you will say, get out. Go out from here, you and your people, and, and then after that, I'll go out. Remember, we didn't see at first who Moses was talking to. We just, we just had to believe that it was Pharaoh. And he's talked through this whole thing and says, not even a dog will bark against the Jews. And then how did he end verse 8? And he went out from Pharaoh, how? Hot anger. Remember what Pharaoh said last time? If I ever see you again, I'm going to what? Kill you. And Moses said, you won't ever see me again. Well, Pharaoh didn't kill him and he saw Moses and Moses saw him again. Moses left mad. And I don't think it's mad 
like a madman. It's like, this is what God is doing. There's called a righteous indignation in there. Can you be angry and sin not? You sure can. There's a lot of people say, well, if you're ever mad, that's bad. No. If you're mad about the right thing, that's not bad. It's not always bad to be mad. Right? By the way, no opportunity for Pharaoh to change his mind. He didn't say, one last shot. He didn't say, if you don't let us go, this plague's coming. It's coming regardless. And then look at verses 9 and 10, sort of the summary of the plan. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you so that my wonders will be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, yet the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He did not let the sons of Israel go out of his land. That's the summary of what had been going on. He said, Pharaoh won't listen. Now, this verse says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. How many times in the passages, we've seen this, how many times did Pharaoh harden his own heart? Ten times. How many times does it say the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart? Ten times. It's the same. They're both, and they go together. But through the, what you're thinking of, it was through the first five plagues before God ever hardened his heart. He hardened his heart every time. So you're, that's where you're thinking of five. Why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? So show the false gods, show the true God, and they could tell their children. When they sat down for Passover, and the youngest son, the youngest son, says, why is this night different than all the other nights? And the father has the Haggadah, and he begins to read the story of Passover. And always the youngest child gets to ask, why is this night different than all the other nights? Because I don't want you to ever forget how God brought us out. How God brought us out. What have we seen? God tells Moses he's going to bring the final plague of the death of the firstborn. Israel will be spared. The Passover lamb is the substitute. Whoever believes, they kill the lamb, blood on the door. He passes over and he says, all Egypt would know. So let me give you this, number one. Realize that rejection brings judgment. It does, does it not? Pharaoh and Egypt kept on rejecting the true God of Israel. They brought about their judgment. Each of the plagues was a judgment. The final plague was a judgment. When people reject Jesus Christ as Savior, what do they receive? Judgment. He that believes is not condemned, judged, but he that believes not has been what? Judged already because they've not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. What's the ultimate judgment for a person? Do Say that again. Separation from God forever in what we call lake of fire. The Bible calls it the second death and lake of fire. Rejection brings judgment. Second, trust in God's provision, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. That's who it is. God has a, God had a substitute for Israel. It was the Passover lamb. We have a substitute for our salvation. It's the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. He died and rose again, paid for our sin. I think this is why uh, Easter is such a great time because Easter is, is the Passover. It takes time. To say, it's the same time of the year. We remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb, who came and died for us, was buried and rose again. 
And just like in Egypt, they kill that lamb and they put the blood on the two sides and the blood on the top and they stayed inside and they ate them food. We'll see it next week. They ate it and by the way, they didn't eat it laying down. They didn't eat it. They, they stood up. They had their sandals on. They had their rods in their hand. They had, they had everything bundled and ready to go. They were eating it as if as soon as we eat this, we're walking out the door. Wait till you read it next time. Jesus Christ paid a price that we could not pay to give us life that we do not deserve. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Number three, use all that we have for the glory of God. Think about it. They uh, they got that gold and silver from the Egyptians. And your first thought might be, man, I got a gold bracelet now. I got gold earrings. I got this. I got this. I got all this stuff. What did they use it for? For the tabernacle, for the glory of God. We could all look around and say, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got a car, I got the house, I got my money, I got my time, I got my abilities, I got this. What do, what do we use it for? For the glory of God. Everything for the glory of God. That's what it's all about. The articles the Jews got would be used for God's glory in the tabernacle. God uses us, takes us with the gifts, talents, and abilities. And by the way, all you have to say, all you have to say, uh, Lord, please use me. Just whatever you want me to do, just use me. You, would you like to lead someone to Christ? All you have to say, Lord, use me to get to talk to someone about Jesus Christ. And Lord, if possible, I'd love for them to trust Christ. But Lord, would you just use me? Would you use me to look for opportunities just to tell somebody about Jesus? You do it all the time. And every morning when you wake up, I know what you do before you go to the senior citizen place. You just say, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to talk to somebody today? Am I not right? That's last it. night in the jail ministry, this young lady accepted Christ as her Savior. See? Last night, let you, you let, by the grace of God, you were able to tell somebody about Jesus and they trusted Christ. That's plus nothing. Exactly. You want to do the same thing? All you have to do is say, Lord... Would you use me? Use me to teach your word. Use me to share my faith. Use me to tell the message. Just use my life for your glory. That's all it, that's all it is. You're just saying to God, take my life and use me for your glory. May we trust Christ who died and rose again as the Passover lamb so we can have eternal life and then use everything that God has given us for his honor and his glory. So amazing. Let's pray and then we'll open up for any questions you might have. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for the passage, Lord. Thank you for the truths, Lord. First of all, we know that rejection brings judgment. When people reject Jesus Christ as Savior, there'll be judgment. Just like uh, Pharaoh and Egyptians continued to reject and there was judgment on them, Lord, we know that the people that we come in contact with every day, that if they continue to reject the truth, one day there'll be judgment Lord we thank you that in Jesus Christ he is the Lamb of God who gives eternal life who is our substitute who saves us who takes away the sin of the world and gives to us eternal life Lord we ask you that you take our lives our time our possessions our abilities everything about us that you'd use us for your glory and that as we wake up in the morning we'd just say lose us Lord Whatever you want us to do, wherever you want us to go, as we faithfully go through this life in these days, that you would use us for your glory. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.